You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking to leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome down to our episode that is following up the interview with Hal Sutton. If you haven't listened to that podcast, please go back, check it out. Absolutely amazing to hear his story. Dive into some of the reasons that he developed skill, that he got good, and the lessons that we can learn from that. And this week, we are looking at the takeaways and mindsets that we need to maybe jot down on a note card, put in the notes app on your phone that you can remember. We are sitting down with someone who spends a lot of time with folks trying to perform at their best, a lot of time with uh, players on the PGA Tour. It's Dr. Brett McCabe. He is an expert at helping folks understand what it takes to improve, to get better, to perform at their best. Brett sat down, listened to the podcast with Hal, and then we fired up the old recording machine and talk through some of the things that he saw as most important from that conversation. I really wanted to do this to try to get as much out of that amazing interview with Hal as possible. So sit back, open up your notes app, take some notes, and hopefully this helps you this season understand what it's going to take to get you a little bit better. This episode is sponsored by BodyTrack. If you are in the golf industry and let's say you're trying to figure out reasons behind speed increases, more efficient ways to improve short game and looking to check out some application and example lessons of folks using data from the ground like center of pressure, vertical force, pressure traces, our friends over at BodyTrack have just re-released their amazing course and certification on the interaction between the golfer and the ground. I know that hundreds of you have already signed up and don't worry, you can go watch the new content and even an example lesson with yours truly uh, at no additional cost. Uh, I was there at the filming this past year in Birmingham, Alabama. It was fantastic. The course and certification is one of the best done out there. The quality is amazing. The best instructors, I mean, you got Sasho, you've got Mark Blackburn, you've got other great folks pouring into that. And the online portal is really nice, easy to go through, watch all the stuff and, and get learning. Check out the link golfsciencelab.com slash body track. That will redirect you to the page you need to go to. And we have a, an awesome GSL exclusive discount. A good chunk of, of money is being taken off of that course cost uh, when you go through that. And we just uh, thank you to BodyTrack for sponsoring Golf Science Lab. Having myself down to check that out last year was really, really fun. And uh, they've posted that example lesson with Mark and myself where we were looking at uh, fades and draws on center pressure data. So even if you're not interested in the course, go check that out at that link. And if you are, I hope you sign up. Let me know what you think. Thank you again. All right, Brett. So I enjoyed the last week's podcast with Hal. Just really interesting to hear his mindset and so much good stuff. And just as we break this down to try to help people get more value out of kind of themes and, and whatnot, I think there's there's so much to dive into. But you had a place you wanted to start that I have questions about, and hopefully we can we can figure out some answers. But talk about the the first theme that you noticed from this conversation with Hal. Yeah, you know, and and I had Hal on my podcast about a year and a half ago, and and this is when his engine was starting to get cranking on these topics, and it's so cool to watch his passion because he comes at it from a player, but a player who's overcome stuff, right? And I, he he alluded to his dad being a helicopter parent before they were there, 
And he alluded in my podcast about how he actually would thank his dad for being that way now because he knows his dad cared. I think one of the things that we have to look at and what he's alluding to is the fact that we have to lead our players and our youth to a point and then let them figure it out past that. I think we're, because we have such access to information, we have so much material available to everybody. We have so much resource that with within two clicks of a mouse, we can download an, an online content. We can get material to somebody immediately. We can be on the phone with a top-level coach and so on. That I think sometimes we we don't go back to the days that really created genius, which was figuring it out. You know, I've always said, and I know I've heard it, Ken Revesa used to say it too, we all used to grow up in our backyard playing our sports. And by that self-discovery, we figured out greatness. We're not doing that now. And Hal talked very clearly in his podcast about not really having a coach, but trying to figure out how to make a ball move a certain way. And you can hear it in his voice when he kind of alluded to being a little overcoached by his own desire, because he thought that's what was right, that led to some additional problems, okay? But when we have those resources, it's hard not to put those into place. And look, I'm a, listen, I'm not judging parents. I've got two youth. I've got a 22-year-old daughter and an 18-year-old daughter. Both played high school golf. And, you know, I am as guilty as anybody else and as many people as I work with and as many people I have in my community that I can get them access to. I just want to hurry up and pick up the phone and violate every rule that I have for my own parents because I know what it's like. But as parents, we have to be We have to listen to what Hal said. And as coaches, we have to understand how to coach with less. Yesterday, I was out on the course at a top event, and I was talking to a a top coach, probably a top five, 10 coach in the world type of guy. And he said, you know, I've learned more and more that the less I say, the better I get. And I think we have to look at that. And I think that's what Hal's alluding to is that the quiet mind of a player many times gets destroyed by us with good intentions. And the less you say... In psychology, it's the ability to, to, we always laugh and make fun of psychologists when they say, well, how does that make you feel? Really, that's an introspective question to get people to go deeper without us layering our own belief on something. So if somebody says something, you say, well, how did that make you feel? Well, as a psychologist, I got my own judgment of what I think that I should say, but how does that make you feel makes you think a little bit more. So we sometimes can do that in the golf world. How does, how does that feel? All right, if you want to if you want to cut it, how how would you do that? Even though you know that they're probably doing it a little wrong, say, can you figure this out? Let's see what it does. And stepping back a little bit, you know, we don't teach people to ride a bike by telling them how to balance the bike. We teach people how to ride a bike by allowing them to fall over and then figure out how to balance it. Figuring it out is such an important concept and and from this mindset perspective but when you know i've looked at learning literature and all that stuff the ability to go spend time and discover solution as well is always going to retain longer that learning that has been done so very important and you know if someone's listening and they want to get better the, the question that i don't have a clear answer for and i don't know if i really have an opinion is when do you tap into the coach when do you say, uh, here's my question, can you give me the answer? And when do you go spend, you know, two weeks trying to figure it out? Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm probably going to tick off a lot of my coaching buddies, but when did the coach become the guru? Think about that. When did we make the coaches the gurus? And I see it a lot with youth players is that they're, they're sometimes intimidated to talk to their coaches. 
And it, it, it's not much different than us being intimidated to go up and ask our teachers for something because they're people of authority. But when did we become that the teacher is the guru that has the wisdom of the world at their hands and only shares it when they feel necessary? That kind of violates the teacher's ethos, doesn't it? Okay. So I'm not saying this to knock my teacher's friends because God knows you know how many of them are dear friends of mine. But teachers are guides. I love a marketing model that's been really subscribed to by um, Donald Miller in the book Story Brand. And in that book, he talks about how everybody, everyone in your audience, everyone in your world is Skywalker and you need to be their Yoda. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant analogy. Because when every when somebody comes to work with you, and you're a parent, and you're there to help them, and you guide, and you say, hey, listen, I'm going to pick up the phone and call XYZ coach. That coach, you're paying for their time, fair. You're paying for their resources, wonderful. But you're not, but you, it also has to be an interactive experience, okay? And great coaches that we know and we were around, great coaches know how to make that a, a guidance model. Listen, I'm going to give you some things to do, and I want you to do it. Well, if parents unravel that, then you've destroyed the guiding relationship. But coaches are going to get the players right on the brink of figuring it out. So if you go back to my learning curve that I wrote about in the Mindside Manifesto, you got to remember what drives most of us to search for a solution is the anxiety of, and the frustration of where we are in the present moment. Okay, So people are frustrated about where they are. So they go out on a hunt and a search for somebody to solve their problem, to alleviate their concern and their problems, okay? So what do they do is they go and they, they find somebody. That person clarifies that point. And all of a sudden, that anxiety has gone. And they get this honeymoon of elation, this honeymoon effect. God, it's awesome. Just figured it out, man. I, oh, thank you so much. You pay them and you walk out of there excited. You know, they, the coach took away the clutter and figured out something and said, got it. Then what happens is the more you're away from it, the more you erode from what got you there and you start expecting more and you start telling your buddies, oh, I figured this out. Just wait till you play me the next time and so on. Right. Okay. And it now cycles. Well, as it continues to cycle, it now gets worse. And as it gets worse, you go into the fog and the fog happens after a crash. You crash, then you go into the fog, and the fog is disaster. I mean, you, you lose your senses. You lose your identity. You forget how to hold the club and swing the club or make the putt start off right. You All these other things, okay? It's such a painful place because you're so frustrated and so confused. But frustration and confusion are required for learning, and great players will stick with it and simplify it to get them back to the core elements of what makes them great. Unfortunately, that draw of the honeymoon puts us on another search for another solution, and we start that whole process over again. We never work through to mastery. Great teachers are going to push us through that frustration and confusion by giving us foundational elements to help us succeed, get us to that point, and then I figure it out. So like I always use examples of me as a pitcher. If somebody taught me how to throw a slider, they gave me a ball, and they said, I want you to hold your fingers on the up of the U, of the horseshoe of the seams. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah, I throw it a couple times. Like, I don't like the way that feels. If I sit there and say, I'm done, I'm never going to throw a slider again because you told me the wrong information, I just invalidated all the experience. 
But if instead I said, okay, I think I understand what they're trying to get me to do is to get that seam on the outside of my right finger, my right middle finger. If I turn the U a little bit more sideways, I can get more of my finger on. I can make it move more. Now, if I had a coach that said, no, you're doing it wrong. You're going to have problems down the road. Then we got issues. But if we as a player, as a coach goes, hey, you made it do that by making it your own. That's how we move to mastery. We don't do that enough, I think, in coaching. And, I, and Hal and I have had a couple offline conversations about it. And he said, look, I'm more concerned about I'm not knocking coaches. I want, I'm one. Listen. But we have to be careful it's, that it's not about us. It's about them. We are the guide. We are, not, we are not the star of the show. Our job is to be in the shadows. And our job is to shine a flashlight and to guide them, but to give them the flashlight and teach them how to use it to be great. And our job is to expose them to different things throughout the course of their training so that they can find that mastery. Years ago, we did it on our own because we didn't have all these resources. One of my players and I walk out on tour and he's like, Doc, we got a coaching problem in this world. I'm like, you ain't lying. When you stand up on a green and you look up and there's 11 coaches or eight coaches or eight personnel around a player, like I'm very, very common when I'm out on tour to not say much. And I've had a few players that'll say, hey, you came out here, you didn't say much when you're out here. I'm like, you've got so many things in your ear. If I can just be a source of reducing some of that clutter, that's my goal. And I had an experience this week. A player's kind of added a new swing person in that's needed. And it's a good move, just getting a little bit more modernized. It's having great success already. And um, coach walks up and the other coach that he's worked with for a long time is there and other people are there and and I kind of moved over to the side with the new coach, and we just sat and chatted about stuff. And player afterwards said, hey, I was just wondering what y'all were doing. And I said, you were getting some really good info from your mentor, you kind of your person who's been around you for a long time. And I didn't want to cloudy the market with the new coach. The new coach was supporting, so we just kind of moved to the side and watched that interaction so he could learn better. He's like, oh, that was awesome. Like, if we jumped in there and now I gave you two and three pieces of information, which one would have stuck? More than likely it would have been you know, a combination of 14 things versus the one thing that that coach gave you that was so brilliant in the moment because it was excellence. Just a little bit of guidance. Player figured it out, boom, off he went. And we need to be that way. One of the lines that Hal said in the interview is like great players play with a clear mind, I think he said, or something like that. Yeah. And, and it leads to that. Quiet mind. Yeah, yeah, quiet mind. There you go. And it leads to that kind of concept as well. If you have a lot of influence and a lot of people being the the guru, right? Right? They're being the guru, not the guide. So they're they're feeding lots of different things, lots of different ideas, and your mind is cluttered by all these different ideas, then it's very difficult to play well for you know any extended period amount of time with that going on. It's like parents, okay? A, a player, I have a rule for my parents. No coaching or teaching for two to three hours after an event, okay? And that means, listen, if your kid comes in dead last at a regional tournament, okay? The natural inclination is, hurry up, let's go to the range, we got to fix it. Or call coach, I got I to gotta send him some video. Even if it's gone on for two or three days, why can't we just assume that it was a bad day? Like, you ever gone to a restaurant that you love and just kind of got bad, a bad meal? Like, sometimes you, you get a hair in your food. Okay. You hope it's a long one, but it sometimes it's not. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Some days we get the ones that are not like that. Okay. So 
you you have to sometimes look at it and give people the benefit of the doubt. And the reason I say that is it's really important as players that we do appreciate the fact that if we have a bad day that you can sit and have dinner or lunch well, everyone else has had an amazing day and be a human and say, man, that was awesome playing. And the player walks up and goes, what happened to you? You, you were like 14 over. And he's like, man, I just had a bad day. Not, well, you know, I got a little off plane. And I, hey, look, I had a bad day. I didn't do it on purpose. I'm not a bad person. And so as parents, we need to say, listen, you had a bad day. How are you going to deal with it? Versus overcoaching in that moment. We don't need to overcoach them in that moment. We need to support them to find their way through it. Like, what do we do when a truck is stuck in the mud? Do we put more trucks in the mud? No, we usually give it one chain and pull it out. Okay? But you're not going to do it by pushing it. Okay? You're not going to get behind it and push a truck that's stuck in the mud out because you're just going to get more stuck in the mud. You hook it up, you guide it out. You put some support down underneath it, and it'll start pulling itself out. That's what we need to do. And I want our players to do that. And I think the quiet mind comes mostly. Okay, so let's take a step back. Trying to get a quiet mind is not going to give you a quiet mind. Acceptance is the number one key to a quiet mind. I accept where I am and what I got today, and I'm going to make the most out of it. It's amazing when you do that, how much your mind quiets down. You don't go outside and yell at the rain when it's raining. You up in the great Nordic North, you don't go outside and yell at the weather, do you? You just accept that it sucks. Uh, we yell at it. Yeah, you do. It's, <laughs> that's that's kind of where you guys are from. Yeah. Okay. But you just move on and you just deal with it. You're just like, look, it is what it is. It's, I had a tour player tell me one time, I said, how do you deal with miscuts? And he said, I take about 20 or 30 minutes and I sit in the locker and I'm, I'm steaming. And then I take off my shoes and I say, it's over. How good can I be today? after missing a cut will define how good I can be when I, when I win. In other words, if I can deal with this, if I can deal with the bad, doesn't mean I like it, but I have to embrace it. It's the Ryan Holiday approach, right? You got to embrace the obstacles that we have because those lessons and learnings are going to guide us to our future. I want to touch on the idea of keeping the accelerator down as well talking about you know being defensive you know in those in those moments when you do lose you do have that bad day it's very easy to get defensive and try to protect instead of keeping the accelerator down when you know golf is just like it, it feels like it's extreme but the highs and the lows of golf are like from week to week right yeah, yeah. Um, and and not reacting you're, you're very good at helping people not react i feel like so maybe talk to a little bit about about that that process of managing that missed cut, et cetera. Yeah, you know, nobody wants it, right? I had, a, I had a caddy tell me and a player tell me, he was talking about poker, and they had a poker guy that told him, get really good at managing the bad bets, okay? In other words, when you get flopped on and you get beat and you're not supposed to get beat and it ruins you for the next three hands, get better at handling that and you can win the big ones because now you you know how to manage it. I always use the analogy, I, I want my pilot that can fly in bad weather better than they can fly in good weather. Good weather. Flew in last night, massive thunderstorms, tornado warnings, everything. And the last leg, I, I don't like turbulence. It, I don't get sick. I don't anything. I just don't like it. And if I have an option, I'll drive. Uh, if I start seeing, I'm like, you know what? I'm a fly. It's I've been here too long now. And here we go. And the, the pilot comes on. It's like, look, I'm gonna do everything I can to make it smooth. You would have never known there were tornadoes around us. 
it was really remarkable. And I, if I wasn't on the phone and I was leaving the plane and it wasn't midnight, I would have said something to the pilot because I, I really thought it was impressive. And I think when we react, many times our reaction is not the moment. See, I want my players, I want my people, I want people to be authentic to the emotion that they experience. Okay. Authentic to the emotion they experience for the event that they're, they're going through. Let me give you an example. If I hit a shot in the water, I'm on a par five and I got 200 yards in and I hit a shot in the water. You should be ticked. Okay. You had an opportunity and you missed it. Okay. And you'll naturally, nobody likes to see a ball kaplunk and go, yay, that was fun. Okay. It sucks. So there's probably some anger. But if your anger then goes to, dude, why do you always do this? You always screw up par fives. That's not authentic to the emotion of the moment. That's now using the moment to beat the crap out of yourself because you have some underlying insecurity or frustration that you are leaving unresolved and you haven't embraced it or understood it. And instead of dealing with it, you're just using it to beat the crap out of yourself. Okay. That would be like, that would be like you and I doing this podcast and you text me. Well, okay. You text me like multiple times and I couldn't get my stuff together to get to you. Okay. And you were resist, you were persistent. But if you sat there and said, Oh my God, what is it about me that people don't respond? God, I must just be a total loser. All right. Then you would actually embrace this mentality of being an insufferable loser. Okay. Now you may have sat there and said, shit, Maybe Brett's too busy for me now, but screw him. Okay. Well, it's kind of like you, I'm not, um, (laughs) but it's, you've got to sit there and look at it and go, wait a minute here. What's the emotion? I'm pissed that Brett hasn't responded to me. Okay. I'm pissed that I just missed it. I just three putted. I'm pissed because anything that we're competitive for brings arousal with it. Adrenaline or anxiety, whichever one we choose is the route we go. If it's anxiety, we don't accelerate, we protect. If it's adrenaline, we tend to put the hammer down and accelerate. So when we get in that intense anxiety or intense arousal state and we use that moment to beat the crap out of ourselves, then all we're doing is using the moment to attack our own insecurities. And that's bogus. I mean, my God, that's not fair. So when I tell people not to react, I want them to experience the emotion. Like, I love emotion. Whoever taught athletes and golfers to stay calm on the golf course should apologize. Okay? You know, so-and-so was like a robot out there. and We should all be that way. Give me a break. Okay? We are emotional beings. If Henrik Stinson is ice cold or Retief Goodson is ice cold, let him be ice cold. That's who they are. That's their psychological fingerprint. Tiger's not... Ice cold, okay. Um, John Rahm's not ice cold. You know, Bryson DeChambeau is, you know, a scientist. He loves that. Let him do that. Why? Are, who are we to judge? If we go to the buffet of life, I don't tell you what to eat. Enjoy what you want. You want to put ketchup on your hot dog? You can ruin it all you want to, but if that's what makes you happy, put ketchup on your damn hot dog. I think it's wrong. I like mustard, but you know what? Your taste buds don't ask me, and that's how we have to see it in golf. So I want to end our little uh, themes and, and whatnot for this house and conversation with talking about what this is going to look like for people, right? So we've talked about we want a, a guide and not a guru in our lives if we're trying to achieve better performance, right? And I think people hear that and they say, awesome, I get it. I want to that sounds great. But what now, right? Like if I'm going to figure it out, like I don't even know what I'm figuring out. I don't even know how cut, to figure it out. Cut the dependency cord. <laughs> 
cut the dependency cord. Look, how many people have bought a book on how to live life happier and have followed it to a T? Very few people, right? That's why there's 10,000 books on how to be happy in life. Okay. You take information and you make it part of you. That's why my mom told me a long time ago, don't ever question another person's, another person's parenting style because they don't care what you think. That's why when families get together, you know, when brothers and sisters get together or families, parent, you know, people travel together, they're like, oh my God, they're kids. Who cares? Just roll with it. Right. Cut the dependency cord of having to be done right, perfect, all this other stuff. And the dependency cord is, I need somebody to show me the way. You know what? You don't. You need to figure it out yourself. You bring in information. You learn from other people. You, you take in content and you, you absorb that and you, you try things and you trial and error. Life is really a science experiment. You have a hypothesis. You develop the methods. You, you run the methods. You look at the results. You try it again. And know that every time we do it, it is something different. So that's what you do. You know what you do? You go take a lesson from the trusted professionals that are out there. You then take that information, okay? You take that valuable information and that love and care that they're giving you. Because 99% of instructors out there are fantastic. And you take that information and you go back and you say, okay, Bob, Mary, Jack, whoever's teaching me wants me to do this. The spirit of what they're telling me is this. This is what it feels like to me, and I'm going to work on this. And I'm going to go back to them and say, hey, look, I took what you told me. And a good instructor is going to go, I like it. Okay, you're getting there. And then a good instructor is going to say, okay, when they think they're doing this, they're really doing that. Now, why is that? Versus, you're doing it wrong. I told you to put a club in this position. Okay? But you sit there and you get it to a certain spot and you take it. Versus, I went in there, they fixed me, it's all good now. No, you work it every day. Absolutely. No, that's great, man. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat with us a little bit. It is always good to get some wisdom from your experience and your knowledge. So thank you again, Brett. You got it. Thanks for having me. What a fantastic episode here with Brett. I always enjoy sitting down. He has uh, so much to share. Uh, If you want to learn more from Brett, he has a new Insiders Club that he has just launched you should check out. Hey, listeners, I want you guys to check out my new Insiders Club. If you want to go behind the scenes of what a golf psychologist does and, and a psychologist from many sports and what I do with my players on the PGA Tour, working with coaches, my tour experience where you come and play the day with me and I teach you like a tour player. If you want to know what that inside guidance is, the skills, the drills, the lessons, the purpose, make sure you check me out at brettmccabe.com. That's B-H-R-E-T-T-M-C-C-A-B-E.com and and look for the link for the Insiders Club. I've got a special there, seven days for free. You get the inside. It's only 19 bucks a month. That's only a couple cups of coffee during the course of the month and you can learn what it's like to be the best. A lot of Q&A, a lot of interaction with me. It's just a low cost option to kind of get the insight where you don't have to sit and read books. You can learn by how you watch and how you do and that's what the Insiders Club is all about. Well, I know that I will be heading over there to sign up for that and check that out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Golf Science Lab podcast. We have more episodes like this coming up soon. This episode was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions, and we will see you all next week.